The week is almost over, so pour that coffee. And let's discuss what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's Joe Sapecki and Bill McCaution. Should we talk about the government? Oh, I'm jazzed up, fired up. Joe Sapecki, Bill McCaution, as Big Voice Guy just said, we should call it the political power 50 minutes. <laughs> I don't know what Vince and Eric are doing on that morning program. We have to talk to those boys. At least send a memo, email, telegram, something like that. How are you guys doing today? It's not how Pollock's on the south side of Milwaukee sent a message to tell you that right <laughs> oh, now. Look at Joe's feisty today. I tried to engage with him earlier. He's feisty. Your mic's not on. we got to get Bill's mic on. I've been yoga breathing all since I left Madison this morning, trying to get ready for this show. Well, let's get to it. I asked this question this morning. Look, gentlemen, is this election, I'm not saying this, is America saying this, is this election now? Senility versus insanity? Is that is that how we're going to do this? Is that the election? Two-thirds of Americans do not want this choice, and yet here we are. And there doesn't appear to be any chance of changing that. So, I mean, we talked to some folks in, in the green room before this from this station. who was like, really? We're going to do this again? Uh, you know, that's not inspiring. It's not adding hope. You know, people don't feel good about the where things are heading, and yet here we are, right? And And... I feel bad. You know, I lost. My party decided to go back to Donald Trump, and it's not totally over yet. And we're going to talk about Nikki Haley because I think she's had her best week on the campaign trail this this week. But, you know, here we are. You know, their base is big enough to get through the current primary process and block out any potential other competitors. Uh, And so this is what we get. Is the fix in here? I said this and people got all mad at me. How dare you say that? Long time political dudes, let's just leave it at that. Guys I know, they talk about politics for a living, and some of them work in that area. Oh, this is the party saying Trump is our person. Is the fix in? We, we saw the big story yesterday. Republican National Committee. Let's just make Trump the nominee. Let's forget about the other 48 states. We have talked about this over the last year, and I think in the context of an underreported story at the time, was that very methodically, state by state, Republican state committees were changing their delegate rules. Republicans have traditionally had a winner-take-most delegate process. They have switched that to, in very big states, very many states, but not all of them, a winner-take-all. And what that impact is going to be is that this nominating process for 2024 The math is going to work different than it did for Republicans in 2020 or 2016 or 2012 going back in a way that is going to benefit Donald Trump. And that was a series of choices by Republican insiders. And you know what? That is the Republican Party's choice to make. They have always done it very differently than Democrats. Democrats have also changed some of their rules in this century. Right? We used in to have, this cycle. And we used to have more superdelegates. Right. Now we have fewer. That always so, changes, right? It's tweaked all the time. Right. But so, And so the question becomes, to back to you, do you want to call that a conspiracy and a decision to end this thing early? I mean, they did this last year, and if Republicans had decided they wanted to take an off-ramp from Donald Trump and get behind Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or somebody else, those rules would apply to them, too. Here's the problem, though. Hours later... They rescinded this idea. 
It was a trial balloon, classic trial balloon. Sure got well, a lot of attention. Well, it took Trump about seven hours to respond to it. <laughs> right. and he said, don't do it. I'm going to win this thing fairly, which was the only answer he could have given. Let me give you an example. David Bossie is the national committee man from Maryland. It's his idea. He was Trump's deputy campaign manager in 2016. He's been with him ever since. He's a big Trump guy. Okay. He, he decides, I'm going to forward this thing. I think I've got the support. And literally, Democrats have done this before. Don't forget, in 2016, they basically made it impossible for Bernie Sanders to beat Hillary Clinton. Okay, and in this cycle, they've changed the the order of the primaries to benefit Joe Biden's. But Democrats fall in line on the Republican side. Joe, there would have been a civil war. This would have there been is the, a civil war. There would have, this would have been the end of the Republican Party as we know it had it gone forward. It was a terrible idea. This isn't how we decide things. Is Donald Trump likely to be the nominee? Yeah, there's a 90% chance that's going to happen. So let it play out, right? You don't end the fight before it's over. And, by the way, if you're the guy who's the strong man, I'm going to crush her, blah, 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 and then you're saying, but stop the fight, that's weak. It's super weak. Let's talk about As Republicans, let's talk about this. Nikki Haley, she sounds like she's all in for the battle over the next four weeks. Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. The next state up is uh, February 27th or 24th. It's her home state. She raised $2.6 million after Donald Trump said, uh, if any of you give any more money to her, you're out of MAGA forever. It was like one of the dumbest things he said recently, not forever, but recently. And it benefited her. I, let me tell you, Betsy Ankeny is a really good friend of mine. She's the campaign manager for for uh, Nikki Haley. They are having fun on that campaign. Every time Trump tries to knock her down or insult her, they're coming back with humor and lightness, and it's attracting people. Do you think there's any possible scenario? I've built, or Joe's going to laugh at me when I say this. Let's say five weeks from now, South Carolina happens. Nikki Haley goes, Trump's our guy. You think that's going to happen? I can't see that happening, given where this is going to be played, uh, how this is going to be played in the next four weeks. I just well, can't see that happening. Otherwise, she just basically washes her hands of politics, for, in my opinion. I'll just provide a little historical context <laughs> while Bill tries to figure out how to... I'm yoga breathing. I'm yeah. yoga breathing. It, it, is that, you know, Nikki Haley did not support Donald Trump in 2016, originally, in the primary. Correct. Said she wouldn't go to work for him. Then she went to work for him. Then after she left government service, she said she would never run against Donald Trump. And then she decided to run against Donald Trump. And so Nikki Haley is a politician in a very politician-y way. She will do what is best for her future. And if what is best for her future is to wage a very lonely fight and to go join the ranks of Adam Kinzinger and Lynn Cheney, or Liz Cheney, that's what she'll do. But if it makes more sense for her politically to bend the knee, kiss the ring, you know, whatever you want to call it, to Donald Trump, then that's what she'll do. I've never seen anything like this, and I've been around for 65 years, and I'm not as tuned into politics as you guys are. I, I look at it from a different perspective. I'm not a strategist. But to see the bending the knee, the kissing the ring, that we are seeing to this individual who I think is, is immensely flawed, unpresidential, I understand he was in the office, I can't imagine what this next version of a Trump presidency would even look like once he strips away anyone that has any basic governmental knowledge. It will be worse. It will be more chaotic. Are we going to have a cabinet full of Peter Navarro's? Yes. Who just got sentenced well, he's to four going months to jail. in jail. Yeah. I, I think this it, it's easy for Trump. His path is very clear. If he rises above this stuff, if he's positive, if he's humorous, and if he focuses solely on Joe Biden, if he decides 
to drag <laughs> Nikki Haley through the mud for the next month or longer, it's not going to work. He's well. constitutionally incapable. The difference between the Iowa night speech and the New Hampshire night speech shows he can't help himself. Yeah, and the, the can't help himself thing is what I want to talk about next. Can he go too far in a statement that he makes that actually would put South Carolina back in play? Bill McCaution, Joe Zapecki, Political Power Hour, sort of, on WTMJ. I always have fun with Bill McCaution, Joe Zapecki. Bill's a Republican strategist. Joe is a Democratic strategist. Joe is on the road. Thanks for coming back here, by the way. You were at a late night last night from New York City. Planes, Trump trams. Tower. Were you there? I, I, I strolled by yesterday on my Your way to lunch. Your flight got canceled, right? It did. Yeah. So what? I had to fly into Chicago instead. It was, it was an ordeal. Were you planning the bugs for the next transition? I was not. <laughs> I was not, you, you will notice from the picture I sent you, I crossed the street so as to not be right next to it. During, Too the, close. during the break, we were talking about this next four weeks, and, and I, I've made the point over and over again on the show, and I, I made it to you guys briefly there. I know that it seems like Donald Trump has this wrapped up. And he's, you know, he tried to, they tried to shut it down yesterday, and basically even Trump said, come on, let's let this play out a little bit. We got South Carolina to worry about. Given that, I think there's still a number of Republicans, some high profile, some not, some just little old me on the radio, who are saying there is a chance, perhaps, that Donald Trump's behavior, his actions, the words he uses, his truth social posts, will at some point trigger something in, in voters' minds to say, this guy's nuts. I don't want him anywhere near the Oval Office He just again. stormed out of a courtroom you this just told morning. Us that, yes. He, so he's it, back in court as part of the defamation hearing. A jury of his peers found that he had defamed E. Jean Carroll, and then as soon as the verdict was done, within 24 hours, he was defaming her again. So now he's back in court trying to figure out how much more money he's going to have to pay her, and he couldn't sit through the closing arguments. He stormed out of court. The judge in that case did something that most other people have never been able to do. They shut his you-know-what down and said, yeah. stop talking, and that's probably why he stormed out. To Steve's point, and the listeners will might know the last name, there's a prominent, very influential national committee man from Mississippi named Henry Barber. He's a friend of mine. Uh, he's related to Haley Barber, the former governor, former chairman of the RNC, uh, who yesterday, after Trump took after Haley and said, if you donate to her, you're going to be eradicated from the Republican, from MAGA forever, said, that's it. I'm donating to Nikki Haley. And Henry Barber would be a guy who would follow the party line. He would he would get behind the nominee, right? That's the kind of guy he is. He's a party builder. And that's what I think Trump's team doesn't understand. This whole idea of grinding you into the ground until you are in submission and you, you say publicly that you endorse Trump and you will vote for him is a very bad strategy. This is about addition. Politics is always about addition. It's not about subtraction. Trump and his nonsense influencers over the last 10 days have played nothing but subtraction. Did you? I'm sure we all saw the New Hampshire a live event that Trump did afterwards. Yeah. It was embarrassing. Tim Scott, dude, what, what are he you He got doing? emasculated. Yeah, right. Basically. Whatever manhood he had, he gave it away that night. Yeah, it was embarrassing. And, you know, he said out loud right next to Don Trump, I love you, man, or some, or some variation on that theme. He gave uh, his love away a second time. Congratulations. <laughs> well, and he had to say he hated Nikki Senator Haley, Scott. the woman who appointed him. I mean, who, who lets that happen on stage? The former president, current candidate for president, is calling his principal opponent now a bird brain, a woman, by the way. He appointed. He, he appointed to the Ambassador UN. to the United Nations. What are yeah. we doing here? This is nuts. So, I, listen, I, I hear Bill every time he says politics is about addition. 
at its best, it is. At its smartest, it is. And politics is also about momentum. Oh, yeah. And one of the challenges for Nikki Haley is that the next contest actually isn't South Carolina. There's the Virgin Islands. There's Nevada. There are smaller state contests that are not like primetime fights. Nevada's caucuses, correct? Yeah. There's a caucus and a primary within three days of each other. Which is weird. I think in one of them... Haley is on the ballot, and the other one, she isn't. Right. The one that matters, she's not on the ballot. But one of the things that happens is Trump is going to keep racking up wins. He just is, whether they're by a lot or a little. And that momentum is going to leave people rationalizing, I guess we are doing this again. I guess he is the Republican candidate, and we have to do this again. And I'm not suggesting that everyone who is standing on principle today and making the argument that Donald Trump should not be anywhere near the Oval Office again or that he's bad for the Republican Party, 100% of them are not going to bend the knee, but a good number of them are. And that is because this has gotten out of hand since 2015, that for the last nine years, Donald Trump has been remaking the political the Republican Party in his image. There were off-ramps. There were opportunities for Republican elites, leaders, electeds, whatever you want to call them, to draw the line and say enough is enough. Most prominently after January 6th, when on January 7th, 8th, and 9th, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell knew how bad what just went down was, and they were talking like they would do the right thing and impeach him and convict him, and he would never be able to stand for election ever again in this country. They chose not to take that path. And so that freight train kept on a rolling, and for nine years it has become – I don't even know if you can call it the Republican Party anymore. There's so little about Donald Trump that is Republican or conservative. It is the party of Trump. <laughs> That's what bothers me the most is they've redefined conservative. Right. right? If conservative means adding $8.4 billion in debt, I'm not conservative anymore. Trillion. If A trillion yeah. in debt. If, if conservative means shutting down the country for a couple months – I'm not conservative anymore. That's not a definition I recognize. And and you're right. They have redefined what conservative means. And anyone who doesn't agree with their image is a rhino. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So let's name names. Obviously, Donald Trump is the one that everybody points to. Who are the Republicans that are putting us through this ordeal? I was going to say nightmare, but. As being nice. I think it starts with Trump, right? Because he had such a strong base. And, it doesn't end there, though. It, it doesn't end there. You, you get people. I mean, we talked about this last Friday. There are now more U.S. senators, Republican U.S. senators, who've come out and endorsed him since he won on Tuesday. Again, that is like the weakest possible man or woman you could be. Is wait till the guy's in a winning position before you do anything. That that shows no courage whatsoever. Where's the backbone here? I, we need it. We need it in the Republican Party. Is someone to push back? And if he's going to be the nominee, then let's coach him to the right place. Let's get to a place where we can be proud of, where we can attract voters and and actually win the general election. Because at the end of the day, this is about winning the general election. I I hear what you're saying, but I think Trump is, of all people, uncoachable. Yeah. I I mean, Paul Ryan walked away because it drove him so nuts. He tried to walk away. Right? Like, so this is a great example. Paul Ryan's also on the board of a network that is back to, you know what, kissing. I understand. But let's, let's remember in the a history, big way they are. Right? So after the Access Hollywood tape in 2016, Paul Ryan uninvites Trump to a Milwaukee, uh, Southeast Wisconsin event, tells Republican members of Congress, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to defend him anymore. If you are a Republican candidate for Congress anywhere in this country, don't feel like you have to defend him. That's not the expectation of the conference. And that was 
at that point viewed as a principled position to just stop defending the guy. How about going that extra step further and saying this is not what it means to be a Republican? We cannot have this man be the leader of our party. And rather than go that extra mile, they chose to, okay, we'll be quiet. We won't defend stuff. And then what became the mantra? Oh, I didn't see the tweet. I didn't hear the crazy thing he said. That was a choice that Republican officials made, and the freight train kept on rolling down the track. For me, it starts with Governor Scott Walker. He has been silently sort of putting out tweets that suggest, oh, I'm watching these debates, but it's all about Trump. It's people like Reince Priebus, who I actually like. He's a smart guy. He, these people wanted this to happen. You can't tell me different. I just believe that's what they wanted. I don't, and and I, let me just finish. This goes back to the whole, this is how talk radio has worked in this market and other places. Own the libs has been the mantra. Oh yeah, forever. If you want to, if you want to do that, and you want to nominate a guy who's going to certainly own the libs at this stage of the process, the only way you shut this down—the nonsense of that concept—is to destroy Donald Trump in the general. That's what has to happen, and then we can get back to actually really conservative principles, policies. Because right now it's 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 ridiculous. So you see some of that on uh, social media right now. You have Republicans, whether they were for DeSantis or others in the primary, saying burn it all down. That's not me. I I've voted for every Republican for president since I could vote. Uh, two I plugged my nose on. Bob Dole I thought was too old. Uh, I thought Tommy Thompson should have been the nominee in 1996. And in 2008, I, I you know I thought John McCain was a rhino. I'm just going to say it. Hero, yes. Rhino, yes. Uh, and he wasn't my. He wasn't even in my top three. But I voted for him, right? And I still think our nominee will be better than Joe Biden and the trajectory this country's on. My sincere hope is that we find some sanity here sooner than later, that we build a team of rivals, which is so un-Trump-like. And if Trumpers out there are heads exploding, here it comes. Nikki Haley is his best choice for uh, vice president. It's not in her best interest if you watch what happened to Mike Pence. But here's why. She attracted new voters on Tuesday night in New Hampshire. She got Democrats. She overwhelmingly won independence. Those are things you want to win. This is about addition, right? But Trumpers are like, hell no, she was against us, so therefore she must be destroyed. That is the stupidest thing ever. Ronald Reagan picked George H.W. Bush after they had a very competitive battle for president in 1980, and it worked. Donald well, Donald Trump ate George H.W. Bush no. or Ronald Reagan. No, <laughs> neither one. Joseph Pecky, Bill McCosh, an after-break process from here until the uh, the nomination is complete, and that may not be that long, and what this all means about how we do this. If we're going to have 48, potentially, or 47, 46 states that don't mean anything, why the hell are we still doing it this way? That's my question after the break. All right, we're back. We don't need music. We don't even need no stinking music. <laughs> Bill McCosh and Republican strategist Joseph Beck and the Democratic side, the process. Let's talk about this because this is, I've had so many back and forth away from the show with, with smart people, people I respect, but this is the way we do it and we the parties can do whatever they want. Is that true? Does the, Do we matter at all? Largely. It's, it's true. The, the parties have a lot of control. I, listen, say, when I was working in government, I had a saying, right? The only unacceptable answer to why do we do it this way is because we've always done it that way. That's not a good answer. I hate that. I hate not that. I hate that answer. answer. And the reality is <clears throat> that the information environment in this country and our society have changed. And we have moved beyond a world where 
the old way of doing this, Iowa and New Hampshire, one and two, and then a, you know a third state and a fourth state, that that makes any sense. It's outlived its purpose and its utility. And so to the question of like, what do you do instead? There are different proposals out there, right? Maybe you go to regional primaries that rotate. So in 2028, the upper Midwest goes first. In 2032, the Southeast goes. Yeah, so five, six states at a time. Mix it up. It's a a regional primary as opposed to Super Tuesday, which is how we do it now, where we sort of trickle one state at a time and then... 14 states from you know big, small, east, west, north, south, all go. There are different pro- proposals and ways to do this. The challenge is that the insiders are always going to shape, shape the rules. Yeah, And for so sure. that means the, the members of parties have to demand the change. These organizations are aware of the constituencies they serve, but it's a hard thing to do when there's real challenges facing this country and – you know, there's an information environment that rewards conflict with the other side as opposed to intra party to get millions of Republicans to go send Ronna McDaniel a letter saying, don't do it this way again next time. This she, is broken. She's going to be gone after this one, this one anyway. But when, when you're, she's actually violating the own rules, the, the rules of the Republican party. They're not supposed to endorse candidates, but, they, but they're not, they've walked away from that, right? They well, shot they down the trial. They don't enforce the, the fact that Donald Trump should be on stage debating with the other candidates either. I mean, that wasn't that part of the deal. Or that he refused to endorse the other yeah. candidates so if they want. Rules don't matter. But I, I love the idea of regional primaries because I'm sick of Iowa and New Hampshire. Lovely places. I'm not a big fan of them. I would rather see a mix of states, sort of like a, a first Tuesday, where we just have a bunch of states, demographically different, populations vary. That would be more representative. Now, I understand that these parties have power, and they should have that power because they're selecting their candidate. But if you're going to say that we're going to actually vote to pick the candidate, that seems disingenuous to me. And let's, and let's give some more context, right? Like the reason for New Hampshire and Iowa for a long time, and it was a decent argument, these are smaller states. It's affordable to communicate with, and because of how seriously those states' voters take it, politicians had to go into people's living rooms and go through diners and one-on-one, you know, one county at a time, one community at a time, make the case for why they should be leader of the free world. What is changing is a world of TikTok and camera phone videos and, you know, digital media and social media, and so, you know, you don't need to do it that way anymore. People feel like they know these candidates without having to go shake their hand at the local diner. What did Trump do? Six rallies in Iowa? That is so far removed from like the the nostalgic, at least on my side, you know, people talk about Jimmy Carter, little known governor of a, a southern state, basically moving to Iowa. Sleeping in people's houses overnight, and walked in, right, and like getting to know these the voters of Iowa on a on a granular level. That's not the world we live in anymore, and so I, I'm I'm for changes. The time for changes now, because regardless, we will have an open seat for president in 2028. Let's say Trump wins; he can only serve one. You think time. he's leaving? I think he's leaving. Who's uh, who's going to show him the door? Uh, I, the Constitution shows him the door. The, the Constitution that he's called to suspend. If Joe Biden wins, he can only serve one more term. So the time for change is now. I agree, Steve. I think Iowa and New Hampshire have a very outsized influence on this process. If you consider how much money has been spent, it's close to $500 million in just two states. 
for a, you know very mediocre turnout in both states. Truthfully, what was uh, it? One hundred thousand in, in Iowa. One hundred ten. Forty percent less than twenty sixteen. What was it in New Hampshire? Three hundred something. Three hundred something. I think that's it, was, it. And that's that's the decision that we're going to go. And with. we're going to you know wave the checkered flag and say it's over. It's not over, right? What I don't like on my side, Steve, and I know we got to head to break, is conformity. We are not a conforming party. Speak your mind. Say what you think. <laughs> do not bend to the knee and be bullied into doing something that, you know, hasn't been earned. If you want my vote, you got to ask for it. You're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. That's Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky on the other side. And think about this text before we go to break. More than half the country loves Trump. Get with it. I want to hear your response to that text after this on WTMJ. All right, gentlemen, Political Power Hour, WTMJ. I answered the question. More than half the country, this is what one texter said. I will tell you, another texter says more than half the country doesn't like Trump. But the get with it question, should we get with it? This is the candidate that apparently America, air quoting that, wants, Bill. I'm not getting with it yet. Play it out. I'm not I'm not going to vote for Trump. I've already said that. I wrote in Nikki Haley before. I'll, I'm not, if, if she endorses Trump, I'm not he, doing he that He can either. get me. He can get me unless he picks a clown as a VP. Ooh, uh, that's the determining factor? It is, right. So you're good I, with walking I think away Biden from is that bad. You're good with walking away from NATO. You're good with letting Ukraine wither and roll over for for Russia. You're good with all of the craziness that comes with Trump. I think it boils down to two things. I think it boils down to Biden's age and the border. Those two things are it. That's the entire campaign. We're going to so get to the we're going to get to the border in a second. Okay. It, it's not just about those two things, right? I, I think and you talk about money message what are your other M's? Money organization message. That's mom. Right. Mom. That's right. How could I forget <laughs> my mom? Uh, you know, Biden and Democrats have a message. Oh, and they got money. Jobs, Dobbs, and democracy. Those are three areas where the American economy I'm, is doing hey, well. I'm doing a segment in the 10 o'clock hour on more great economic news. Sentiment is yeah. starting to improve, right? Bill, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. There has been a disconnect. Yeah. That disconnect is shrinking. On Dobbs, Republicans across the country continue to lose when it's about abortion and access to to reproductive health care and on democracy, like to the texter's point, listen, Donald Trump got more votes for president than any Republican in history stipulated. Absolutely true. That is a fact. Take it to the bank. And he lost that election by about 70 electoral votes and between eight and 10 million popular votes. And since that election was held, he tried to overturn a free and fair election he tried to stop the, the transfer of power. He is facing 91 federal criminal indictments. None of those things have taken those 8 to 10 million people <laughs> difference and gone, oh, you know what? Maybe we should go back to Trump. He is losing voters every single day. And I'm not suggesting that Joe Biden is a perfect president or that he hasn't lost some folks, too. But Donald Trump has never had the support of 50% plus one of this country, and he never will. I'm going to go back to what I started with, Bill. Is owning the libs in the nomination phase of this worth it? No. If it gets totally smoked in the general? No, you you need an agenda that brings people to your side at the end of the day. You want people to vote for you. There were Listen, when you have an incumbent in the race, there always will be voters who vote against the incumbent. That's a fact of life. But you want people to come to your side, right? And we're not doing that. I don't even know what our agenda is right now. Because at the convention in 2020, you guys literally didn't have one for the first time ever. They basically said, we're not going to do a party platform. If Trump's for it, we're for it. Trump, Which so is one more Trump way. Can you imagine Trump party for some I mean, reason? grumpy old men? Two grumpy old men on a stage for a debate? Are we ever going to see that? And how does that play out? It, it, it is 
we are so much better than this. And it frustrates me to no end to see my party circling the drain uh, because we won't push back. Here's a clear demonstration of that. I get thousands of these texts over the course of this last year or so. Many Republicans like me will never vote for Trump. How do you get past that? If you follow social media, there's a lot of DeSantis folks who are saying that this week. Even though Ron DeSantis endorsed Trump, uh, there are a lot of DeSantis supporters who are saying this was a mistake. We're not doing this. Sorry. Two things can be true at the same time and almost always are. And what the first two contests have shown us is that Trump is virtually unbeatable in a Republican primary. Yep. And he is more vulnerable than anybody on the Republican side wants to admit in a general election because he is bleeding votes from college-educated voters. He has a significant number of the Republican Party saying they will not vote for him again. And on the margins, that's the ballgame, right? But Bill and I know because of the work we do, each side should get between 92 and 94% of their party's voters the base, in right. an election. That's yep. what you need to be competitive. Yep. If you shrink that Republican number down to even 87, 86% you can't of win. Republicans, he cannot be elected president. That's right. And, and for him to say, I got all the votes I need, and he said it no, this week, he doesn't. he doesn't have all the votes he needs. I got to take a break here, but um, is Nikki Haley basically the what-if candidate? Think about that during the break. I mean, if Trump blows himself up or does, you know, says more crazy stuff, storms out of a courtroom, gets convicted, is she basically saying to America, I'm the what if? That's next after this. All right, I got some time left in this hour. We started late. Thanks, Vince and Eric. They hate when I say that, but truth is truth. Truth hurts. I just their last segment with you was funny though. It was. They do about great. the furries. I'm not yeah. saying they don't do great work. They just yeah. too much great work when I need to get my show started. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. On the what if question, then we're going to get to grab bag. You're first. Nikki Haley. Hang around. Don't drop out. Keep it light. Keep it humorous. She Keep... wants She wants to bloody him, though. Well, she is, but with a smile on her face, right? <laughs> go. You got to give her credit. Twist the knife, but smile on the way in. She, you got to give her credit. She's had an unbelievable week. She's tough. Tough Republican woman. I like that. She is the... Break glass in case of emergency. It is there is a non-zero chance that some type of legal proceeding. You say there's a chance. I, I do think there's a chance. So I, again, do I? Non-zero means it could be one percent. I think his behavior is becoming increasingly unhinged. And you throw a conviction on top of it, that. It's not just unhinged. I, we haven't talked about this. I'm sure we will in weeks ahead. There's also something going on with Donald Trump when he is confusing Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley. Yeah, those that, are not. You know, Close. It's funny. He he's like he's he wants, and there's a apparatus within the Republican Party that wants you to think that Joe Biden can't do the job mentally, and now Donald Trump is demonstrating that actually he's telling on himself. He's had more slip ups and gaffes like that than Biden has in recent weeks, and so she should hang around. He should have to earn it, and at the end of the day, it's probably going to be Trump, which from you know. It's got to be a choice election. Joe Biden always says, don't compare him to the almighty, compare him to the alternative. And you know what? Donald Trump and owning the libs never built a bridge. And you had Joe Biden here talking about a bipartisan infrastructure package. There are good things happening. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden is trying to get a deal on the border and to save Ukraine. And you have Republican senators saying that what Donald Trump 
and Mike Johnson and Republicans are doing to torpedo this immigration bill is appalling. Not my word, their words, because they want the issue politically. They don't want to solve the challenge. That's disgusting. If it's a choice election, I want it to be about the border. If it is, Trump wins Michigan. He wins Pennsylvania. He might even win New Hampshire. I mean, that is if it is about the border uh, in October and November, Trump wins. And you guys are filling in for me on Monday's program so you can maybe do a deep dive on the immigration question and, and the border policy because that, that's on people's minds. And, and we probably should have gotten to that today, but... Uh, we're all passionate about what we believe. And we're going to we get three hours of us on Monday. Is three that true? Buckle up. Buckle up. Yeah, nine to noon right here on WTMJ. I'm getting another well-deserved day off. Well-deserved. <laughs> well-deserved. <laughs> earned. Well-earned. Anyway, grab bag, Bill McCosh. Grab bag. Two of them. Uh, Joe Hendrick is the top authority on redistricting on the Republican side of the aisle. He's been in hiding during this map fiasco <laughs> yeah, over the last the month. He, he finally came out of his uh, off the top rope ra- rabbit hole uh, today, and he's got ten tweets out there. If you are a Republican, if you're an independent, if you want to know the truth about all of the maps, read Joe Hendrick on Twitter. Joe at Joe at Joe Manacqua is what it is. Yeah. Last thing, he's sec- brilliant on it. He's brilliant. Lena Taylor, I enjoy her. I get along great with her. We've rarely agreed. I think the breast cancer bill, which you, you've you talked about in the past on this show, is the last thing she and I have agreed on. She's now being appointed a, a judge in Milwaukee County. Like next week, right? Like next week. So good for you, Lena Taylor. All right, Joe. <laughs> what do you got? I got the, the I Am Knuff shirt today. The Academy Awards botched it. It is an absolute travesty oh that God. Greta Gerwig... Oh and Margot Ro- Robbie. Really? Yes, it is. It is. It, it underscores the challenges that remain in this country when it comes to equality between the genders and the way that women and working women in this country are treated. And they screwed it up. Full stop. There's no way Greta Gerwig should not be up for Best Director and that Margot Robbie shouldn't be up for Best Actress when Ryan Gosling is up for Best Actor. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's a statuette. Their reward is they're one of the top films <laughs> Last year, this year, come yeah. on. What did she make? Twenty million, twenty oh, five million. Greta got That's the a big demonstration. Then she did okay. Works. Greta Still got the bag, but she also should have been recognized. The Academy screwed it up. Why not Ken? <laughs> he, he got recognized <laughs> because there is no Ken? Ken without Barbie. No one cares about Ken. <laughs> come on. Also, watch the movie, you two. I saw the movie. I'm not watching I was not, it. I didn't no think way. It was that great. No Open way. your mind, Bill. First no of all, watch it. First of all, no way, way too much pink for me. Just saying, oh, not a fan of pink. Should, should wear my pink shirt on Monday just to stick it to Scafidi. I'm from Superior. Art for me is stock car races. What right? are you guys going <laughs> to talk about on Monday since Walk. you're here for three hours? We're going to start with football. Super Bowl edition. We're bringing back Monday morning quarterback with Brandon Snide. That's what we're going to start with. Did, did, I sign, the de- did I sign the release Detroit, on that one? <laughs> did the hapless Detroit Lions make it through the NFC Championship? That's you, what we're going to talk think about. you are going to? I do. Really? I don't. I do. I don't either. I think San Francisco. I got the Niners and I got the Chiefs. That's my picks, too. Well, Chiefs, I got look, the Chiefs, too. Democrat and Republican you, agreed. You, Great you, way to you, end it. Sounds good. All right. Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, the one and only political power hour, sort of. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. And good morning, everybody. Thanks for all the nice comments about the uh, opening hour, Political Power Hour with Joe and Bill. I enjoyed as much as you enjoy listening to it, and I got a lot of nice uh, fan comments about the two gentlemen's comments. Look, it, it's a sort of a refreshing way to look at politics. The two gentlemen, Bill and Joe, 
Joe, a Democrat, Bill, a Republican, liberal conservative, are both very experienced in talking about politics. And they are both very passionate about what they believe. And that's one of the reasons that ours is so successful. It, it, it just oozes smart. And I think when we're looking at what is going to be a crazy political year in 2024, that information, that expertise, that passion is all going to be part of that story. Now, as we get into 2024, you're going to notice that in my 9 o'clock hour, we are going to do a lot more of things like that, whether it's with journalists, whether it's with legal scholars and experts, attorneys, um, people that write about politics, the uh, James Wigdersons, the uh, Dan Schaefers, the Christian Snyders from both sides of the political aisle, and even some elected officials in that mix as well. Just look, and Another idea that I had recently was to look at, uh, it wasn't my idea, somebody suggested it, faith leaders in studio for an hour talking about the news of the day, politics, from a faith perspective. Now, now you'll say, way ho, you just talked yesterday about them staying out of politics. That's the interesting part of this. Is that really happening on the ground in America today? So that's sort of the uh, a little tease on what's coming. We're going to certainly be laser-focused on politics in 2024 on this show with some of the best guests you'll hear talking about the issues that matter. And I'm very excited about that, and we'll have a lot more information for you in the weeks ahead. Um, this hour is going to kind of be a, a conglomerate of a lot of, of different points, all sort of leading to the same point, which is, are we serious in this country about things? And I'll, I'll lay out the case in a, in a couple different ways through the the bridge story yesterday from uh, Duluth Superior. President Joe Biden comes to town. I don't know if I said this in the opening hour. Whoever is advising President Biden on his sort of campaign speeches, his appearances, seriously, knock it down to five minutes. Can't be a half hour. I knew Joe Biden when he was a great speaker. He's not that anymore. And if I'm running his campaign, which I'm not, you gotta you gotta cut his time down. It's it's not helpful if you're a Democrat. And I'm not a Democrat, but I'm just telling you, it's not a good look. So we're gonna look at it from the perspective of that bridge story. That's gonna be the first part. Second piece do we want an immigration deal or not? All I've heard for the last oh, I don't know, at least the campaign part of this couple of years is oh, Republicans, we gotta have a deal at the border. Right, We've got to have a solid immigration policy. Where's Joe Biden on this? Joe Biden, sleep at the wheel on the border. Vast increase and continues to trend up on people coming across that border illegally. We saw hints of a deal being worked on, but now the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, basically said, dead on arrival, not going to do it. That's point two of are we serious about fixing things? And point three is the economic argument. I made some of this yesterday. I'm going to continue to do this every day. There's a lot of good economic news. And I push back, both literally on social media, when I see people overplaying inflation, which is actually starting to come back to normal inflation numbers, close to 2%, and then forgetting all the other good news some of which I teased earlier, for example, America's Americans have more money in the bank today than they had in 2019. Is that being reported anywhere? I don't think so. So three different areas, all demonstrating the same point. Are we serious in this country about fixing our problems? Or are we just interested in the pure politics of it? 
And I'm going to fast forward to my answer, and I'm really curious what you think as I lay the case out. We're not serious. We're unserious. We have far too many elected officials who are not actually interested in policy. They're more interested, seemingly, in posting on social media or going on radio shows or going on TV shows. And we know who they are. They're the AOCs on one side and the Ted Cruz's on the other. Ilhan Omar's, Lauren Boebert's, Bobert, whatever her name is. Unserious. I'm going to take a break. What's in a bridge that connects Wisconsin and Minnesota en route to Canada? A billion-dollar bridge demonstrating is it a good idea or not to replace the bridge? Because, frankly, reading all the social media and hearing the commentary, I'm not sure. Again, unserious politicians. Not fixing the problems, the things that ail us after this. Oh, clever work by producer Charlie on that one. Yes, a bridge. Not a bridge to nowhere. A bridge connecting Wisconsin, Minnesota, Canada. What did the president say yesterday? 950,000 trucks crossing that bridge every year. The John Blatnick bridge by the way it was a uh, u.s congressman from minnesota so the president shows up yesterday in uh, duluth superior actually was he in he was in superior actually uh he had visited the bridge a couple years ago uh talking about then the the bill the 1.2 trillion infrastructure bill and now a billion dollar pledge to fix this link between cities of superior wisconsin and duluth minnesota And yet I'm seeing tweets and social media posts and commentary that say, oh, my goodness, what's the president doing up there? Why why do we need this bridge? Well, I don't know, 950,000 trucks a year, pipeline for our economy on the roads and bridges of America. I think that's kind of important. But yet I'm seeing post after post about his too-long speech, and I'll certainly admit that he... He didn't shine in a lot of that speech. It should have been five minutes. All of his speeches should be five minutes. Infrastructure is important. One of the things that demonstrates the first leg of my three-legged stool, uh, we're not serious about things, is infrastructure is the easiest thing to just forget about. Bridges, highways, maintaining infrastructure in this country, buildings. Why is that? Nobody wants to spend the money. Until they have to, until an accident happens, like happening on a highway in Minnesota or a bridge in, uh, I think it was Detroit, or at least in Michigan. You can you can make all kinds of claims, and, and I know that most of the congressmen in Wisconsin voted against this bridge, at least the infrastructure bill in general, because there's always things you don't like in it. But that's really not being a serious politician. You can... F- Find something not to like in anything. Infrastructure is just one thing. I'll get to immigration and the economy in a bit. This is a an easy one. The bill is old, or the bridge rather is old. It's needed repair for decades. Every day, thirty three thousand vehicles cross that bridge. Heavy trucks can't even go on the bridge. 
They have to take lengthy detours. Bridge would have been shut down by 2030. It's getting a billion dollars for upgrades and repairs. Construction starts in a year. That's not a political question. And to post or to vote for something that benefits your state, I don't understand, congressmen. Why that makes any sense. Mike joins us from Heartland. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, uh, I guess my question, uh, along with the bridge, but uh, take immigration, they were going to work on a policy, and and now they're going to stop it because they want to use it as a platform for this next presidential run. And I guess my question is, you've talked in the past about party politics, and that's what we see here now with the immigration and even this bridge. How do we get how do we stop that? How do we get away from party politics? And I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Yeah, Mike, it's a great question, and it's a great segue to the, the second leg of the stool, which is is the uh, is the immigration and border policy stuff. So thanks for thanks for the call. Look, I'll say a little bit before the break, and then we'll go to break, and I'll, I'll sort of finish my thought. And I'd love to hear from you as, as Mike just did. We know that there was a serious effort recently, last few weeks, maybe months in Congress, with the White House, both the House and the Senate, senators from both parties, senators from both parties, some representatives, working on some sort of a plan to curb the incredible flood of people coming across the border illegally. I I give them credit for at least getting that far. What I don't give them credit for is the most recent news. And if you're not aware of what's going on, this is, as I said, a great segue to the second leg of the stool. Are we serious about border policy and immigration? Everybody talks a good game. One side blames Joe Biden. The other side, for Democrats, frankly, haven't done a good job on the border. And I gave the numbers last week. The, the stem, or the flood, rather, of people coming across that border has gone from 650,000, roughly, to 2.5 million, 3 million people. That's not a good trend. Why do I make this number two of the three-legged stool? Because now, latest news, there is a really... Serious effort by candidate Donald Trump, working with his friends in the House, most notably Speaker Mike Johnson, who basically today said the deal's dead on arrival, whatever deal was talked about. GOP centers in the Senate, who actually wanted to have this deal go go through, some are mad as hell, and frankly, they're going to take it because, again, it points to what something something we pointed out in the first hour is the incredible power of a candidate Donald Trump. Not President Donald Trump, candidate Donald Trump. And the mind-boggling statements that are made by people like Lindsey Graham, Senator from South Carolina, and others who say, yeah, we're not going to do a deal here. We're going to wait for President Trump to get this deal done. So let me just lay it out for you. Second leg, three-legged stool. We're... Ten months away from the election, 
we're a year out, roughly, almost exactly, from the inauguration of whoever the next president is going to be, whether it's Joe Biden re-election or Donald Trump, most likely, barring Trump acting like a lunatic in another situation that maybe voters finally realize this gentleman is not all there. Set that aside. We are basically going to abdicate the power and the responsibility for an effective border policy, effective immigration reform to a candidate for president, not a senator, not a member of the House, not a congressman, congresswoman. A candidate for president is going to have that kind of power, that kind of sway. That's the living demonstration of being unserious about actually doing your job. Senator Ron Johnson tweeted about this yesterday, blaming Joe Biden. And there's fault to be had there, trust me. I've pointed it out. The flood is incredible across that border. That's on the the current president, not the former one. But to say out loud as a senator or a congressperson, we're going to wait for the next election to fix this problem. One that, oh, by the way, you're saying is the most critical concern of voters in America? Not that critical because you're waiting a year to do something about it. Again, unserious politicians more interested in press releases or media appearances. That's not leadership. I often say leadership is hard. It is really hard now. Because when a member of Congress basically says out loud, in in writing, in a post, and to the media, media they select, by the way, I'm going to let, let it go for the next guy. And ignoring their job, not doing their job, that's an abdication. That's being an unserious politician. That's leg two of the uh, three-legged stool. What do you think? 855-616-1620. I'll give you the third one. It's the economy. But we're not there yet. I started with the uh, the bridge story from uh, the Lou Superior, Ruth, Minnesota, Superior, Wisconsin. President visiting there yesterday. We want a bridge or not? Sort of important, right? Although that was a political uh, hot potato yesterday for some reason. I enthusiastically support the bridge project, by the way, just so that's on the record. Number two is immigration, border policy. All we hear, we need to fix that border policy, need to fix that flood of people coming across that border. Except when the rubber meets the road and they actually have a bipartisan deal potentially in their hands, ready to vote, hold on a second, pump those brakes. Speaker Mike Johnson in the House says, nope, dead on arrival. Senator Ron Johnson, not going to happen. Let's save it for the next guy. Senator Lindsey Graham, same thing. Donald Trump will fix this. Will he? I don't know. Tom joins us on the phone. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Tom. Yes, I, I went through a bad zone. Oh, no problem. We're here for you. What do you think? So we have a pre- we have a, a man running for president who seven years ago had this solution. He was going to build a wall. He was going to make Mexico pay for it. He attempted to. He built a portion of wall, much of which is failing. We have paid for it. It has solved nothing. Several of his underlings attempted to raise money to help build the wall, which they absconded with. 
when he ran for president, all he did was complain about Biden being too old. Biden is four years older than him. So now he's the same age as Joe Biden when Joe Biden ran the last time. By definition, he's too old. By by his definition, he's too old. Exactly. Um, I just think, first of all, you're more level-headed than most of the most of the Republicans that are out there running office. I appreciate that, and I appreciate I appreciate the bulk of what you say. Um, I, but I don't want you to run for office because then you'd be off the radio. <laughs> well, the good news is, Tom, I'm not running for any office, so you got that going yeah. for you. I appreciate the call, Tom. I had to let you go there. Got a lot of callers on the online, but thanks for the kind words. Yeah, whatever happened to that Mexico paying for? Is that check in the mail? How does that work? How do governments, do they, they send checks? Is that a money order? Is that a wire transfer? What is that exactly? Yeah, people forget about that stuff. Now, I will give Donald Trump some credit. At least he talked about the border. I mean, Joe Biden administration, they ignored it for three years of the of his four-year term, and now we have a mess on our hands. So, I mean, nobody's got clean hands here. Richard joins us from Illinois. Hi, Richard. Steve, you know, I should have just hung up because Tom had almost verbatim what I was going to say about the wall. Mm-hmm. Because, but, but I was going to say you need to give Trump like 50% of the blame on this stuff because he didn't finish what he's, he didn't do what he said he was going to do. If that wall would be done, maybe that would keep some people out. I personally wasn't a fan of the wall when he was talking about it. but I like the know, part so, about Mexico I'm, paying for it, though. I like that part. Oh, oh I mean, me too. But we, we, everybody knew that was never going to happen. <laughs> Correct. Except Donald Trump, and and I just and 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 you know Johnson and both the Johnsons and Lindsey Graham and all these other fools that are saying we're not going to do a deal. We want Trump to get the. What if in the all likelihood Trump doesn't win, a Democrat wins? Are they just going to kick this problem down the road for four more years? Yes. Or if Democrats take, if Democrats hold the Senate and take over the House, and and then then I I, I just don't get this crap. Yeah, thanks for the call, Richard. I used this analogy yesterday. It's, it is so silly that we are, you know, we are in this situation where we are talking about these problems and we are, we are looking at possible solutions. Like, if I, here's the analogy. If I'm at work and my boss says, you know, I really need you to fix that issue. And for me, it would be a, a radio-related question or problem. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till the next boss comes in and then I'll address it. How long would I last in my current position? The answer is not very long. Not very long. Not for long. But yet that's what we get with, with politics. It's why I made this hour about unserious politicians, because that's what they are. Most of them are media whores now. I'm not going to even name names. You know who, who they are. Just watch your TV at night. It's the same faces. The same faces, by the way, they are now saying, we'll wait till next president, in their minds, Donald Trump. When he's in office, then we'll fix it. Really? What if this candidate for president donald trump loses the house for republicans how likely is that going to happen then and we haven't even got to the economic news yet which is very good by the way despite the uh, the social media inclination and public perception that the economy is going down the drain paul from grafton hey paul welcome to the show happy friday Happy Friday to you, too. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. The last two people talked a lot about the wall, so let's go straight to the bridge. 
What I love most, or what I find most amazing, is the hypocrisy of the senators and the representatives, patting Republicans, patting themselves on the back for getting this done when they voted against the infrastructure bill to begin with. Yeah, it's amazing. They, look, look what I did. Yeah, look what you tried to stop, and now you're taking credit. And they think we're idiots. They think we forget this stuff. And, you know, and thanks for the call, Paul. Everybody has a reason why they vote. Yes, yay or nay, right? They have a reason why they do things. And, you know, sort of a uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. I don't like everything in the bill, so I'm going to vote against it. There's far too much of that. None of this stuff's perfect. And, and the fact that you, you combine all this stuff in these mega bills, who in their right mind thinks you're going to like everything in it? If you even read it, and I know for a fact because he's basically said so. Senator Ron Johnson didn't even read the entire bill. Said it over and over again. Says it in his media appearances. Including, by the way, hopefully he read this part, about this bridge that connects our state with Minnesota and Canada. So he shouldn't be doing any victory laps. I don't think he is, but he shouldn't be because he voted against it. That's just number two. I mean, that was number one. And then the second one was, of course, immigration. I haven't even looked at the text line because I've been so busy with the phone calls. Uh, let's see. We've we got to take a break here. I'll give the texters some love. I'll give you the third leg of the stool, which is based, I'm telling you, I told you before, it's the economy. There is increasingly some really good news. Spano, Dave Spano highlighted this on Monday at his uh, 1030 appearance every Monday on WTMJ. Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. It is remarkable how politics have muted or shut down some of the positivity that we should be gathering from some really good economic numbers. And if I see one more response to, let's say, for example, the economy growing at a 3.3 pace, which at least the story that I read from CNBC describes that as a blistering pace, which in this case, blister in the good way, I'm going to throw up. Yes, there's inflationary concerns. The reality, though, is, it's coming back to what is a normal inflation pace, which is around 2%. Let's celebrate that part of it. So I'll give you the third leg after this. Ah, Charlie's hitting it out of the park today. That was the second of leg of the two-legged stool. Immigration policy, border policy. First one, of course, the bridge. Do we want a bridge or not? Current one. Would have been shut down by 2030. Kind of an important link between Wisconsin, Minnesota, Canada. Unserious politicians. What is the third leg? I already told you. The economy. U.S. economy, I'm reading right from CNBC, grew at a blistering 3.3% pace in quarter four while inflation pulled back. We should be jumping up and down, celebrating, cheering. But what do we get? Biden, inflation, you know, all the nonsense. What about this? What about that? Instead of saying, you know what? Hey, good news. Those interest rates we've been talking about, they may be coming back from some highs we haven't seen in a while. The 8%, the 9%. They may be pulling back. Better news for people buying homes, buying cars. Am I saying that everything's great? No. Am I saying we should not be doom and gloomers? Absolutely yes. So GDP, gross domestic product, all the goods and services we produce in this country, 3.3%, Wall Street expected two. Better than expected. 
for the year 2023, which just ended, 2.5 annualized pace, well ahead of what was expected. Consumer spending, strong. Progress on inflation. Core prices, personal consumption, which is something that everybody talks about when we talk about inflation, rose 2% in that period. That's almost normal. Economy growing at a rapid pace, better than expected, ahead of what the experts, and I air quote experts because I am sick and tired. I, I watched, I started, I told, I told the story the other day. I started watching a lot of the, you know, the mad monies, the, the investment shows on, on multiple networks, on, typically on Fridays to kind of get a sense of where the week was, what's ahead, just to get a better sense about the economy, investing, the markets. And I, I don't know what show it was. It wasn't Mad Money. Because Mad, uh, Kramer's pretty positive. Jim Kramer's pretty positive about a lot of things. But on this show that I was watching, it might have been Fox. Incredible negativity. Oh, we don't trust these numbers. And, and I've heard this over and over again, right? The doom and gloomers, the folks who want to short stocks because they think the stock price is going to go down, they, they, they live in the world of bad news. That's how they make their money. I'm not one of those people. One more. Nail in the uh, doom and gloom coffin. I saw this story yesterday. And by the way, the economy is the third leg of the three-legged stool. Bridge, do we want it or not? Do we want immigration and border policy reform? And lastly, the economy. Are we going to actually celebrate good news when it happens? Because that's what happened. This one. It was on multiple different platforms. Americans' bank accounts stabilizing again after inflation shock. What am I talking about, Steve? This one just blew me away. Most American households right now have more money in the bank than they had in 2019, pre-pandemic. Who's talking about that? It's according to a study done by Chase Bank. It's part of the J.P. Morgan Chase Institute. On the whole, U.S. bank accounts between 5 and 15% more cash in the bank than they did in 2019. Accounting for inflation, by the way. And it goes back to this perception problem, which a lot of us have been talking about. I shouldn't say that. I've been talking about for a while. Sometimes perception is reality. And the danger of having a perception that the economy sucks is that sometimes forces consumers to pre-buy, pre-spend, which can actually drive up inflation. Having that negative viewpoint. That's why it matters. Another point you won't hear anywhere else. This stuff is important. Going back to my original point for this hour. After that great economic news, especially GDP, after the record-setting performance in the markets, NASDAQ, S&P, Dow, what do I read? What do I hear? Joe Biden is a mess for the economy. Joe Bi- And I'm not a Joe Biden fan. Trust me, never voted for him, never going to vote for him. That's my disclaimer. But let's be honest about what we're talking about. I understand there's politics to this, this argument. I get that. It's lazy. It's old-fashioned. And frankly, it's, as I pointed out with the consumer perception, can be dangerous and can contribute to inflation. This stuff matters. And when we have unserious politicians who aren't really interested in doing their jobs, and I gave you a bunch of examples of that, 
but love to go on TV and blow up the other side or blow up an individual president or candidate or senator or whoever. We, going back to what one of the callers said, we should expect more than that. We, sh- we just should. The caller also asked me how we fixed it. Vote in serious politicians. Pick a race. Pick a state. Pick a candidate. Pick a serious politician. And the way I guess I'm judging that now is I read what they say. I hear what they talk about. And if they say things like, I'm not supporting that infrastructure bill, even though there's a bridge that's worth a billion dollars that's really vital to the economies of Wisconsin and Minnesota and Canada. You're unserious. Sorry, but you are. And oh, by the way, regardless of how you vote, something would have to be done with that bridge, which, oh, by the way, would cost more than the billion-dollar price tag today. Or, if you don't do it, it's shut down in 2030. A vital link between those two cities in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and the country of Canada. That's not being a leader. That's being a media whore and somebody who's not serious about doing their job. These three legs are just three legs of what I could probably have a dozen more that we need to start paying attention to. If your sole mission in life, and I don't know why you would do this unless you're a strategist and you get paid for it, is politics, you're doing life wrong. You are not living the life you should be living. You're over-consumed by politics. You're inflating, not in the money sense, but in the importance sense, how valuable politics is in your life. Somebody asked me the other day on Ask Steve Anything. Joe Biden, is your life better after three years? I I told him point blank. Yeah, it is, actually. How's yours? I give Joe Biden zero credits or fault for that reality. Zero. You make your own way. You make your own fortune. You do your own thing. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. I don't care. But we have to restore common sense and logic to the debates And right now, what I see, what I consume every day, listen to, read, isn't even close to reality. Fed by media whores and politicians who aren't interested in actually doing the job of an elected official. They want to be famous. They want to make more money. And the sad part of that is we're letting them do it. So a texter says, you're being lazy. You talk about blowing up Donald Trump's campaign. I'm not, I didn't say blow up his campaign. I just I don't like Donald Trump. I didn't vote for him last time. Not going to vote for him this time if he's a candidate. I'm not shy about telling you who I think would be a better choice for Republicans. Nikki Haley. I've said it like a billion times. Overstatement, but you get it. The, the interesting thing about all of this, and we talked about this with Bill and Joe in the Political Power Hour earlier, is she's still a viable candidate. If Republican voters snap out of it, stop with the uh, devotion over a guy that's frankly unhinged to be nice, and I could use another bunch of terms that I'm not going to. I understand he's popular. He got 70 million votes. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He served his, his term. 
He has become, just watch the news, folks. He's become, now, I'll say this. I do watch Fox, but if, if you watch Fox, you're not getting the, uh, the reality of what Donald Trump's up to. Trust me. Just, I watched an hour of it last night. You're not seeing that at all. So just understand that. But you be you. Watch what you want. Vote for, vote for who you want to. I say tell it to people all the time. When you see behavior that we're seeing, storming out of a courtroom today, because you don't like the results, well, you shouldn't have done what you did. You've already, that's already been ruled on. You're guilty. And if some of these other cases in 2024, the year of the presidential election, go through to a conviction, that's pretty much settled. You can appeal, yes, I understand. You can't argue about it. Another quick break. I'll finish off the hour, and we got an exciting 11 o'clock hour as well. Lots of stuff, as they say. They don't really say that. I say that. All right, laid it out for you guys. Three-legged stool. Do we need the bridge or not? The answer is yes. Do we need a fixed immigration border policy? The answer is yes. Should we celebrate the great economy? The answer is yes. All the other stuff, noise. Political noise. Politics played as sports by a lot of people who are who are never really good at sports. That's I created that. And it's true. Nerds and knuckleheads who, for some reason, are enjoying the attention they're getting for being dumb saying dumb things out loud on TV and on the radio sometimes. So we can accept that or not accept that. So I will just say this, kind of piggybacking off what Bill and Joe said earlier. They may think the race is over for the Republican nomination. I don't. I've seen the uh, right now the leader for the nomination do a lot of crazy things. I think we're at the tip of the iceberg for what's going to be crazier in 2024. I could be wrong, and I hope I am. He actually did the right thing by pulling back on the RNC's idea that we're going to just shut down the primaries. If that was his call, good call. But then he stepped on it and basically blew up immigration policy. So now Democrats can actually use that against Republicans. I don't know if Republicans have thought about this or not. Hey, we had a deal. You guys said you wanted to wait to Trump. Good luck with that. So sometimes you have to think a little bit deeper than just the, on the surface. That's what I'm saying. Three ways of looking at, or actually one way of looking at three different things that matter. Race isn't over unless we say it's over, right? Sort of a John Belushi, uh, Blutarski quote there, sort of. Uh, busy 11 o'clock hour as we uh, wind it up to noon. Libby Collins out of the gates. Interesting story. Amazon ring saying no more to police cooperation and sharing a video. I got to tell you, not a fan. And uh, I called it on my outline the last Kmart. They weren't open. But it was the last store that I knew of that was still sitting there looking like a Kmart. So all that's coming up at the 11 o'clock hour. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Uh, happy Friday, everybody. And one of the fun things about the 11 o'clock hour on Friday is I get to talk to my pal, my teammates, Host of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News and the person that puts together the Incredible Conversations program, Libby Collins, everybody. Ed, good morning to you. How are you doing, Steve? I'm very uh, enthusiastic today. and A lot of enthusiasm, a lot of positivity, a lot of passion. How are you doing? Steve, Steve you're on fire. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm en fuego, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. 
Oh, you know, you know, I and I, I really appreciate you having me on every Friday morning to to talk about. I love talking to you, Libby Collins. Oh, you're so nice. Thank you. You know, did, this week, did you get a chance to talk about these harm reduction vending machines at all? I I, I did not. I saw the yeah. story, but I, did, I didn't get a chance to talk about. Yeah, it. because obviously they've been out there for a while, but they're they're looking for more businesses and more organizations to add these particular machines that would, uh, I, I guess they have fentanyl test strips and nasal naloxone and uh, f- uh, some other uh, medication lock bags, gun locks, things like that. And it's free. It's free to whomever goes up to these machines. It, and you it, say to yourself, why do we need these? Well, I knew. Well, I know what you're asking me because I know who your guest is for the conversations, but it's actually a great example of of sort of the uh, the informational gap that we we sometimes suffer from on stories like this yeah exactly and and the reason i'm bringing this up is i had um and the opportunity to sit down with a a man you know you'd look at him and say hey he's every guy right he's he's here in brookfield businessman successful nice house raised his kids the right way Except something happened to him that you'd never think would happen in a family like this. Um, George Moore, he shared the story of his son's addiction. His addiction problem started in high school when he was prescribed a opioid for a sports injury. He got caught up in all that. He started to use uh, opioids socially. We also found out that in the 2000s, he attended uh, New Berlin West High School, and um, a lot of the parties had alcohol and Oxycontin and a lot of prescription opioids, because that's when the whole opioid epidemic was raging. He went off to college at UWM, double major, finance and accounting, continued his habit, misusing. We found out also later that he actually tried to be clean in college and went to a methadone clinic in the inner city. It worked for a couple years, but somehow he relapsed and started in again. You know, and you think about this, um, and I'm sure a lot of people's reaction is, wait a minute, Um, you had a kid? lived under your roof, you never knew he was using drugs. And I asked him that question about how he missed the signs of his son's opioid abuse. A lot of people would say, wait a minute, you lived with him, he was under your roof. There was no difference in his behavior. When you don't know what to look for, and then after his death, you what if yourself to death, then you start to realize after you learn more about opioid addiction he was thin. Hey, he didn't eat all the time. You know, motivational things. But hey, he went to college. He graduated. See, he did his grades suffer at all? No. The thing is, is when you learn a lot about opioid addiction, which I have, you can be a functional opioid addict for a long time. And there's people out there with addiction for five years, ten years. It's not like being an alcoholic. And Libby, I, I've actually had friends close to me that have experienced the very same thing. You don't know. Sometimes this is going on under your roof or with your children uh, with sometimes really dire consequences. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I know people who have lost um, loved ones to this opioid abuse. And, and you hear that story over and over. I didn't know. I had no idea. So, again, you know, getting back to these harm reduction vending machines uh, right here in Milwaukee County, people saying, why do we need them? Well, uh, 
George explains how young people are are getting fooled and, and getting these drugs that are laced with fentanyl. The issue now with adolescents is non-opioid drugs that are spiked with fentanyl. You know, kids could be on Adderall in high school and junior high, and then they get to college, they might not be on Adderall anymore. They got a big exam coming, they're getting excited, and they try to find Adderall on the street. Well, they find it from someone in a bar. It might not be prescription Adderall. It might be counterfeit. According to the DEA, 6 out of 10 pills on the street are laced with fentanyl. These kids might not be addicted to opioids, but they're taking non-opioid drugs with fentanyl in them, and it's killing them. It's just so disturbing when you think about the families that don't even know that their kids are being exposed to this, and, and as you said, many with dire consequences. And you, you have that conversation, that tough conversation, and, and that can't be easy. And as, as you're talking to him, does that come through? I mean, it has to, right? Just the, he, You've lived that tragedy, and you're, you're sort of reliving it on the air for other people. Well, and, and the thing is, I, George Moore has now pretty much dedicated his life to getting people to wake up to this and to get schools more involved. And, and, you know, he's talked to a lot of superintendents and principals. And because this use of these drugs in high schools and even junior high schools, it's rampant. And people don't realize how many young people are being exposed to this. And one of the things that uh, it's been talked about, but this used to be, and I'm going back to when I was younger, in the 70s and 80s, this used to be a, you know, urban problem. It's not that anymore. This is everywhere, every socioeconomic level, every class, whatever you want to term you want to use. It's it's infested everything. Availability's there. And the part that I took away from that first clip is that it started so innocently with uh, an opioid for an injury. And I've heard that story a million times as well. Oh, so have I. And, you know, and it's like you said, it's not just in areas that you think, oh, well, there's a lot of drug users there. It's everywhere. And and it could be happening in your own home. So you'll want to listen this Sunday at 11 o'clock, and maybe you'll discover some of the signs in your own family that you didn't know existed. Another must-listen-to conversation is the great Libby Collins, who joins us every Friday, kind of setting that conversation up. What else are you talking about? Are you talking about the Oscars on Sunday with, uh, with the one, the only Matt Miller? I am. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk to him about that. And also, you're going to love this one, Steve. The favorite dog breeds in the state of Wisconsin. Mm. Is it Lab? The most popular. Is it Lab? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell you. you okay. got to listen. But, but even more interestingly, wait until you hear about the least favorite dog breeds. Oh. We'll bring that audience Sunday morning. That's why she's a pro. Libby Collins with the ultimate radio tease. I'll see you, on, <laughs> I'll see you quoting on Sunday, Libby. I always love love talking with you, Steve. Thanks. Stay on fire. All right. I'm passionate today. Thank you to the great Libby Collins, host of Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News and Conversations. A quick break here. Lots more to get to. I can't wait. How about you? You never know who's going to pop in. I just talked to one of my favorite pals, Libby Collins, who hosts the Weekend Morning News here in WTMJ. And now she's trying to get it. Is your mic working? Get her mic working, Charlie. Producer Charlie. You'll fix it. Keep talking. There we go. Yeah, it's Carol Kane, everybody. I know. I, you know hey! what? <laughs> Everybody's favorite co-host. I well, l- let's not get too overly. Co- <laughs> I. Um, hey, you look good, by the way. Thank you. New glasses. 
new glasses. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I got a dress on. My I wife just, will be impressed that I. I she goes. That you, you don't pay that? attention to the details. I recognize that. I new glasses, new hair. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I new year. The, what, yeah. It's the first time we've seen each other. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Um, yeah, I got a fancy lunch across the street oh. with a couple of very handsome men. Not that you're not handsome and Charlie's that. handsome, mm-hmm. but um, I uh, I have two very handsome men that are waiting at the Capitol Grill for me at 1130. So. Oh, oh, the Capitol Grill, you say. <laughs> what is it, the soup they have? Is it the lobster soup? Lobster the bisque? bisque. Oh, my. You and I have eaten there with yeah. our friend, uh, whose name I should know. He's going to yell. Jim Peck. Jim Peck. Sorry, Jim. Legend. I just forgot Jim Peck's name, the legend. That's all right. Yeah. He'll, he'll, I love he'll you, be, Jim. He'll be forgiving. But And you know what? Once again, as long as we're on the air, I want to extend an invitation for you and your lovely wife. Mm-hmm. Lou and I would like to take you out for dinner. Yeah, we, we, we saw that. Um, Kathy's traveling a little bit in, in February. Your guys are gone, right? Yeah, well, we got a bunch of trips, but we're going to work it out because I want to see Lou. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> he's still the same. He's he's seven, he's got to be seventy seven. It doesn't seem possible. Yeah, well, life moves pretty fast, as uh, they said in yeah. Ferris Bueller. Yeah, and the thing is, is that you know what's so funny with Lou and I? It's because I I outweigh him, and I'm high. I'm taller than he is, mm-hmm. so I understand why people kind of stare at us when we walk. I caught a vision. I caught us. Uh, we were walking past a store window the other day, and I looked at him. I go, "We are ridiculous." <laughs> I have that same thing. It's like, who is that old dude? Oh, that's me. <laughs> I hate that. Oh, you look great. I told you that. I think you look better now than you did when you had your Stop. porn mustache. Stop some more. Stop some more. <laughs> Carol Kane joining me. Uh, I, I wanted. This is great because you came in because we were talking about. Uh, Rose Gray and I are doing an appearance tonight, Bavarian Beer House. Now, it's as nothing, we're just going to that place. You're they, right down the street from me, then. Yeah, I know. You should really stop. So, 6 o'clock, we're, we're doing two things. It's a reunion tour for our Tuscany. Okay. Folks. So, my buddy Steve Fralick, yeah. where have you been, dude? Let's let's show up. Okay. Um, and everybody else was on the trip. And we're, uh, we still have a little bit of room left for our German grandeur trip in July. Starts in Munich, ends in Amsterdam. Basil, Switzerland. You've been to Munich before, haven't you? Only the airport. Oh, um, God, it's gorgeous. So we're just showing up. And I know that like Jack and Patty are showing up to find out more about that trip in July. Yeah. So if you want to like chat with some of the people who have been on our previous trip yeah. or see what the next one, it starts in Munich. Then we have the great river cruise to Basel, Switzerland. I Listen, awesome. I, I... I think I got that right. If, Rose will tell me if I did. There's absolutely... In Munich, you have to do two things. You have to watch the glockenspiel. That's downtown. That's the big where they they spin around. Oh, and the we're music doing all play. that stuff. Yeah, and uh, you have to go to the Hofbrauhaus. House. You have to. Mm-hmm. It's just if you if you miss the Hofbrauhaus, House, there's something seriously wrong. Do you have some travel in your up- upcoming future? Uh no, I don't. You, I should. You should. Um, because I'm now on SSA, so I get a little extra cash <laughs> you're, coming in. You're official now. <laughs> How does that feel? Yeah, fine. It's the same, right? Yeah, I, yeah who cares? You look, I'm 65 you look like years you're old. healthier than ever. You're, you got a glow. Like, apparently this, this lunch at the uh, Capitol Grill is making you smile. Well, you know what? The thing is, is that <laughs> I really don't have much to do. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm like this lazy. I'm, I'm addicted to Netflix. All right. So when is the, when is the Oscars? When, when are those? 
they just announced the nomination. Is that next month? When is it? Anybody know? Producers, yes, it's in know? March. It's the first weekend in March, I think. All right, so what we'll, um, maybe we'll do this. We'll see if our buddy Steve Palak, also a radio legend. Yes. And yours truly, we all come in together and we chat about it. Like, That'd I don't really great. care about the Oscars, but I know you guys are passionate about it. Well, and... I just watched yesterday on Netflix, and I know that they are both up for Oscar nominations, Annette Benning and Jodie Foster. Nyad? Yeah, about Diana, Nyad, the, the great swimmer. Oh, my God. It's a great, it's hard to watch, Yeah, but it's a great movie. I love Jodie Foster. Yeah, she's really good in this. Her, her career is, like, so diverse. I mean, it's incredible what she's done, her accomplishments. Sure, sure. Yeah. All right. I mean, great. So. All right. So let's, uh, let's hook up. Let's get together. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fine. All right. You you pick a date. We'll figure it out. You get. Do you want me to get a hold of Steve and see when he's available? Cause I, I think... I'm Steve. You mean Kathy? No, you said Palak. <laughs> oh, Palak, yes. Palak, yes. Because yes. I think he's in Arizona right now. He probably is. He's living a life, too. He's retired, sort of. He's uh, he's always posting stuff on Facebook of him with this. somebody. I mean, I hope, maybe he's listening, maybe he's not. He's kind of been um, giving me the, I have, if you're watching the stream, giving me the, hey, not interested kind of a thing. What do you think that's about? Too busy. I, I think I, that I think too busy. I think you're reading now. If he knows that I'm involved, he'll be here. <laughs> oh, oh, is that true? <laughs> All right, okay. Have enjoy your lunch. Hey, thank you. It was uh, fun coming in just to say fun. hi. So let's get that thing set up. Call Steve or text Steve, whatever you do. And then you and Kathy and yes, absolutely. me and Lou will figure it out. And just kind of close this out. I'll see you tonight at the. Uh, Bavarian Beer House, yeah, it's a fantastic venue, by the way. I didn't even tell them we were coming, so we're just going to show up and, and drink and have fun. Well, maybe I'll make an appearance. Oh, did you hear that? Maybe Carol Kane will show up, too. <laughs> will you take selfies with people? You would, honest to God, if I walked in the door, you'd be like, oh, damn it. No, I didn't I think she was serious. I would never say something like that. But would you take selfies with people if, if, if you show up and they want one? Of course. Of course you would. All right, Carol Kane, the lovely, the talented, the uh, Thank co- you. everybody's favorite co-host, Carol Kane. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Thanks. That was a cool uh, surprise visit by Carol Kane, radio legend Carol Kane, and uh, everybody's favorite co-host. And you'll hear, we're just talking about doing something with Palak. Yeah, Palak called last couple of times. Thanks, but no thanks. I know he's not mad at me. I'm just teasing him. He's a good guy. Um, I saw this story. I said it's worth at least talking about because I guess I don't have the same perception other people have about it. The headline is this. I got it from AP, uh, Associated Press. Ring, as in Ring Camera Systems, will no longer allow police to request doorbell camera footage from users. Now, I have several devices for a lot of different reasons. One is security. Um, relatives, friends, family, neighbors have them. And when I saw this story that basically says the... Ring, which is owned by Amazon, if you didn't know, is going to stop allowing police departments to request that doorbell camera footage from users. Something happens in your street or across the street or in front of your house. Somebody tries to enter your house illegally. That relationship in my world has been a positive one. So Ring, an announcement they made on Wednesday of this week, so they're going to sunset that request for assistance, which is the formal name for that tool, which allowed police departments and public safety folks to request and receive video captured by the doorbell cameras through the uh, Neighbors app. And those people who have Ring know what that is. It's kind of the sharing of information and videos. They didn't announce a reason for the change. I can tell you what the reason is because I saw some coverage last night on the net, on the nets. Privacy concerns. A lot of, a lot of folks were suing or at least threatening lawsuits against Amazon and Ring for this. 
I don't like it. If you have a device that can lower crime in a neighborhood, can aid our law enforcement community, can capture someone literally in the act of committing a crime with video and sound, by the way, not a bad idea in my mind. Now, where it gets tricky, and this is where some of the privacy stuff comes in, ring cameras can shoot property things that aren't necessarily on your property that you own. And I think that's where some of this comes from. Privacy watchdog groups, they're concerned about that. Uh, They're questioning the relationship between Amazon and police departments. To me, it's it's a tool. And, you know, I've I've had this conversation with uh, Annie Schwartz in the Public Safety Hour on Wednesdays that you give me a tool that helps police do their job better, I'm generally going to be in favor of it. Now, I don't have a ring camera in my house recording my conversations or video. They're on the outside of my house looking out. And I think that's information that should be public. 855-616-1620, the uh, WTMJ talk and text line. And Ring has, they disclosed this. They've handed over these videos before to police departments. Sometimes without the permission of the owners. And that gets, that's, you know, a touchy subject as well. And the other tricky part of this story, since we want to be complete in how we're putting it together, Ring actually settled with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, for about six million bucks because they had let their employees and contractors access user videos. Like say, one of the contractors with Ring or Amazon got my video without my permission. So they settled that lawsuit. Although the company still says they disagree with the claims. What do you think? Again, I'm from the side of and point of view that says we should help law enforcement, help public safety. But I understand there's a privacy concern. I understand that people have different opinions. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line as we wind it up to noon right here on WTMJ. Generally, I keep a pretty open mind when it comes to law enforcement. And and I know there's been an assault or a, a war on public safety over the last few years, whether that's on the financial side, the funding side, or just on the officers and individuals who serve in those important public sector jobs. But I, I, I'm going to be in the camp always, probably, that says, one, they're very difficult jobs. They're made more difficult by the actions of some people who are involved in criminal activity, for certain. But there's that other group of people who sort of get in the way for what they believe is a higher calling, that, you know, advocating for individual rights, even privacy concerns. And I get that there's concerns. I just don't agree. Uh, let's go to, I think it's Ava or Eva in Pleasant Prairie. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Thank you. Good afternoon. If it's still after or still morning. Still morning. Still morning. Still morning. What do you think? Yeah. I think that they should be able to turn over their, their footage because they shouldn't be allowed not to do that. It's my private property. It's my private um, exposure to my property. And if something should happen where somebody gets injured, you could almost give a class action suit against Ring for not giving up that film or that footage of the crime. 
so I was just saying to the other guy that we just had uh, a chase in our neighborhood and the guy stole a vehicle, raced down to Kenosha, yada, 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 got out and went running. Well, in our neighborhood for three hours, they looked for this guy. Mm -hmm. They had the drones and all the all the neighborhood lights went on. So if my footage will pick up that kid or that guy or that woman or whomever it may be, all the more power to the police. Yeah, I, because I think that's they're right. They're the ones that need us. Yeah, yeah. Well, great call, Eva. I think that's right. You live in a neighborhood or a community. Isn't it one of your principal interests to make that community as safe as possible? To assist law enforcement? We've allowed law enforcement, public safety to be demonized by a few cases where people, individuals, went too far. Even though police departments, fire professionals, every piece of public safety looks like the population they serve now. It's as diverse as it's ever been. It matches the community. So clearly there's not a ra- there shouldn't be a racial component to it because it makes no sense. Anthony joins us from the great city of Watertown. Hey, Anthony. Hey there. How you doing? Good, good. What do you think? Um, I I own a business on Main Street uh, in in my city, and my father had a saying: a neighborhood will tolerate only as much crime as it'll tolerate. And the, when I had security put in, I don't have a ring, but I have security cameras on the outside, and they face outside. I had one on the inside, but. More often than not, I've never had a problem with the inside. Anytime that there was an issue outside in the street, the lady said something about a police chase. We've had two in the last year that came tearing through our town. Mm -hmm. Um, There's all kinds of things that those cameras capture that do really good work to reduce the people that are doing bad things. You know, um, if they know that my cameras are being turned over to the police. It, my police, they don't even call me. They call my security guy at this point because I was always for take the cameras. I don't even need to know, you know. Yeah. Um, more than more than uh, uh, two or three fights have happened out in the streets that were caught on our cameras, vandals that are caught on our cameras. Well, they know that there's cameras out there. They tend not to want to do their shifty stuff in front of your cameras. So it, it benefits the community. If not yourself, think, you know, it, it goes both ways. You Absolutely. know, it's protecting the neighborhood, it's protecting yourself. Why? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Anthony, but thanks for the information. Look, I, I'm in agreement with both callers. I think, and I apologize for cutting you off there if you had more to say. Um, look, there's only one way we fix crime, right? From a public perspective. If we allow law enforcement to do their jobs to the full extent of whatever that means, and when you can assist law enforcement, public safety, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you be on their side? Because the other side is criminal activity, sometimes violent, dangerous, drug activity. I, I want people to know when they come to my house, even even the deliver delivery people that come to my house, to know that I see what they're doing. If you knock on my door and you don't have proper ID and you identify yourself as working for a so-and-so company that goes door-to-door, I'll ask you 
over my camera system, why don't you have the ID on you? Who are you? Why are you here? I would never apologize for helping the police. And I think maybe the shift that needs to happen is that we've we've understood that sometimes things happen in, in public safety that shouldn't happen, and, and there's no one's perfect. But at some points, I think the, 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 sh- the shift in momentum has to go back to law enforcement and public safety. We see it with funding. We see that in Milwaukee. And oh, by the way, I haven't forgot this story. MPS is required to have those school resource officers. I'm not forgetting about that story. Have they been put in place yet? Mayor Johnson, have we worked out the details so those officers are in school? Or are we letting MPS dictate what happens here? I hope that's not the case. I really hope that's not the case. It's one more example of getting in the way versus uh, getting it right. I'm going to squeeze in Mike because he uh, took the time to call. Mike from Milwaukee. Hey, Mike. Hi, Steve. Hey, uh, as much as I agree with you, and I think that, that I would always help the police out, the, the problem is is that ring camera, that data is mine, right? So whoever owns the hardware owns the data, and it shouldn't be given without their their permission, plain and simple. It's a fair point, Mike, and I, I'm, I, I'm not going to argue the point because I think it's it, that's something that we need to understand. I, th- I appreciate you taking the time to make the call. I'm just saying in my house... My case, my system, they always have my permission. That's the distinction. Doesn't have to be your case. One more. We got time? One more. Uh, let's see. He's on uh, two. Mike from Illinois. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? It's Mike from, Mike from Wisconsin. Oh, I'm sorry <laughs> about that. Illinois. Sorry about that. Anyway, no, no worries. I, I believe that uh, there should be an opt-in, opt-out fe- feature. And then if they need it, they can contact you and say, hey, we'd like your ring information. I don't think they should just have blank carte blanche um, uh, access to your to your ring or any other of your cameras. Yeah, um, also I, great I don't point. think anybody should have that, whether it's law enforcement or everything. But uh, to, to support them, I agree, you should be able to give it to them uh, if asked, right? Yeah, and the other thing, and thanks for the call, Mike, uh, that somebody mentioned on the text line is some people have them in, inside their house. Then it gets real tricky because... If you allow carte blanche, they can just do whatever they want. They're going to have access to video conversations. It gets a little tricky. So, you know, I understand there's limitations to that access. I'm just saying in my world, I don't have them inside my house. I have them looking outside. For me, it's it's a no-brainer. But there there are some really important arguments about um, privacy that you just can't discount. All right, we're going to take a break here. After the break, always look forward to this. Week in Review, sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Start the program with Bill and Joe. Akash and Zapaki, political power. The best hour of political conversation in the state of Wisconsin and maybe beyond. Yeah, I said it out loud because I think it's true. And uh, as we launch into 2024 and uh, the weeks and months ahead, there are going to be a lot more of those kinds of uh, hours on this program. So I'm looking forward to all of that. Um, one of the great things, great features, we had Libby Collins on the show as well. Carol Kane. Of all people, was in studio. Surprise visit. Also, I looked to my left. There's Carol Kane looking through the glass, like I'm on display. <laughs> we brought her in. We had fun, and, and uh, I want to just reiterate again tonight. We don't. We didn't even tell them we're coming. Bavarian Beer House, 6 p.m. reunion tour for all the Tuscany folks, the Steves and the Jeffs. 
I don't think uh, everyone's going to make it, but a lot of them are going to be there. And there's a, at least a few couples that want to know more about the German Grand Jour trip. And we're getting down to the – got to fill that boat, so we're getting really close. And I know there's a lot of people have already signed up, but we want to answer the questions, and we have all the opportunity to do it. Rose Gray from Fox World Travel is going to show up, and we're going to have fun and drink some beer. And apparently there's some polka music that's going to be played at some point in the evening. So it's going to be a fun night out. Weather is cooperated for the most part, a little warmer. So I'll look forward to seeing all of you. And if even if you just want to come and say hi to, to Rose and I, even if you're not traveling with us, that's, that's fine, too. We'll see you at the Bavarian Beer House about 6 p.m. Um, the other thing we do on Fridays, of course, is the Week in Review. This week is no different. The president and vice president return to Wisconsin. A bombshell firing by the Bucks. Mr. Baseball turns 90 and more. It's the Week in Review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Join me in welcoming our Vice President, Kamala Harris. Vice President Harris sharing the administration's pledge to women seeking abortion services. The government should not be telling her what to do with her body. There's a reason that they put Kamala in the middle of nowhere. It's because they knew Milwaukee would show up. The author of a 14-week abortion ban proposal in Wisconsin is defending her exclusion of exceptions for rape or incest. I have demonstrated my commitment to women's health with support for over-the-counter birth control. But what about exploiting the lives of those who are forced to carry out a pregnancy they do not want? We're trying to get our arms around what's happening in the Racine Unified School District as the district insists that school is on to day, but we understand that some of the buses are having trouble getting around. I do understand that some students may have been dropped back off at home, so we're working to get communication out to those families. Had my four-year-old turned around and been left at the bus stop without my knowledge, I, I would absolutely be pursuing a lawsuit. Well, breaking news, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the Milwaukee Bucks have dismissed head coach Adrian Griffin. Woj also reporting Doc Rivers is among those on a short list of potential permanent replacements. This is a unique situation where it is win now. They didn't think they had that anymore with Adrian Griffin. I thought it was a little bit too early. It was like, wait, what? In the middle of a season, he's been doing so good. It was a little surprise, but I think it might be a move in the right direction. Tonight, I'm declaring 2020 for the year of the worker in Wisconsin. Governor Tony Evers in his State of the State Address Tuesday echoing a theme of the workforce. Former President Donald Trump wins another contest and tells his followers in New Hampshire about November. If we don't win, I think our country is finished. Bring it, Donald. Show me what you got. Three regions have told me you floated resigning if that deal failed. Were they mistaken? As much as I'd like to clarify that whole issue, would be inappropriate for me to, to say anything about what happened in a closed session. Here in this open session, would you want to resign? or no? (laughs) (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) See, Eric, that was your question. Now it goes to Corey, I think, right? So there we go. You elaborate if you want. That's my question! Joe Barry not returning as the Packers' defensive coordinator next season. Kent Lovern, he's the chief deputy district attorney for the County of Milwaukee. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Steve. You're here today because you're running for the big job, district attorney for the County of Milwaukee. Public safety is top of mind for everyone in Milwaukee County right now. Everyone deserves to live safely in their communities. From the WDTMJ Breaking News Center in the city of Milwaukee, 
after decades of fighting over the future of Northridge Mall, has now gained court approval to take ownership of the property. My understanding is that we're in the clear. The city now has ownership of the former mall and can move forward with this. Hello, Wisconsin. President Joe Biden speaking at a brewery at the base of the Blatnick Bridge, a route he calls critical to the U.S. economy. Kenneth Smith said tonight Alabama causes humanity to take a step backwards. Instead of a needle injecting lethal drugs into his veins, an oxygen mask pumping pure nitrogen was placed over Kenneth Eugene Smith's face. For about two minutes following that, Kenneth Smith shook and rides uh, for about two minutes on a gurney. Following that, his breath slowed until it was no longer perceptible. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen visiting Milwaukee Friday. No reason right now why there would be a recession this There's year. no obvious reason why there would be. Happy birthday to Mr. Baseball, Bob Euchre. When I hear the name Bob Euchre, an instant smile comes to my face. When I was covering the Brewers for Fox Sports Wisconsin, I wanted to avoid an exchange with Bob Euchre that had us going, Bob, Bob. The first thing I think of when I hear the name Bob Euchre is the movie Major League. I was actually cast in the movie, and when I went home to tell my parents, my dad said, well, who's in the movie? And I said, Bob Euchre? And he went, Bob Euchre? Get up. Get up. Get out of here. Go on. I got bit by one, and I liked it. Oh, babe. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. 